from the living room of a small apartment in Central West Virginia, it's time for the Bang Your Head Podcast. And here's your host, Jake Simmons. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the Bang Your Head Podcast. Appreciate you tuning in. Uh, as I sit here recording this intro on a cold and dreary Tuesday evening in Central West Virginia, I'm really stoked about the uh, the episode we got coming up for you guys today. Um, sitting down and talking some great music with uh, a buddy of mine from college, an aspiring screenwriter and filmmaker who followed his dream and and fought and went out to L.A. and and is trying to make his dreams become a reality, and I'm stoked to see what he does down the line. Um, Ryan Vanderhyde was my guest. We talked about movies, we talked about music, um, we talked about our college experiences, and it was a lot of fun getting ready to catch up with him. Um, I mentioned it, um, you'll hear me mention it in my intro there, but that was the first time um, outside of, of texting that I had actually spoken with Ryan since we sat next to each other at uh, our college graduation three years ago in the uh, the opaque field house uh, up at Kutztown University. Muggy May, uh, May Saturday. Uh, I remember it raining that day. And uh, I'm still trying to wrap my head around how that was three years ago. But uh, nevertheless... You know, it was it was cool getting getting ready to uh, talk to Ryan uh, and just learn about what he's been doing over these past three years. So you're gonna you're in for a good one today. Uh, behind the scenes here at Bang Your Head HQ, working on some cool things, setting up some future episodes of the show. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Also, looking at re-updating my social media pages. Um, for those who don't know. Bang Your Head was initially my um, college radio show when I was a student at Kutztown. Uh, it was on for seven semesters, three full years, three and a half years almost, from January of 2014 until my last show uh, in May of 2017. Hard to believe it's been almost three years already. Um, so I'm trying to, you know, transfer some things around. Uh, friend of mine from the KUR days designed a graphic for my show archive, which which if you've never if you've never heard of Mixcloud, it's a good website to check out. Uh, it's uh, you know you listen to you can listen to the shows and you can't replay it. You're listening to it. it. It's it's almost like Spotify and SoundCloud, except like you can't backtrack. It's it listens all in one shot, so you can. Um, so you can so you can listen to each track for the first time. So it was really really cool getting hold of uh, that graphic. And like I said, I'm I'm trying to work on some cool things, trying to stay busy in these weird times that we live in right now. So keep your eyes peeled on the interwebs for for some amazing some amazing stuff coming your way. Without further ado, I'm gonna shut up and I'm gonna lead you to the conversation with my man Ryan Vanderhei. Welcome into another thrilling installment of the Bang Your Head podcast. I have a really, uh, really awesome guest, really amazing guest uh, hanging out with me today. Uh, we first met in the crazy days of Kutztown University. We graduated same major. 
um, and we had we had a, uh, an amazing time there in uh, in Berks County in PA. Right now, he actually lives in Los Angeles. He is a lead photographer and social media manager at Eat Read Love. He's an aspiring screenwriter, and we're gonna learn a little bit about him today. I'm here with Ryan Vanderhei. Ryan, what's good, man? Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm here to talk about music, and I'm excited. Awesome, awesome. So uh, I guess we'll we'll get. Uh, right into it, and I will ask you the uh, the most introspective question of the day. Um, who is Ryan Vanderhei? Wow, that's a good question, man. <laughs> I like <laughs> leading off with that. Uh, you know, it's crazy, man. Uh, things have changed a lot over the years, but you know, one thing's for certain. I'm, you know, creative at heart. I'm an artist at heart, and you know, I'm just out here in LA trying to follow my dreams. I'm just found my passion for screenwriting in college as you know uh i actually think we took screenwriting together i, I can't remember i we took we had a handful i remember we had a handful of classes uh together actually i actually remember the the f the first class i ever i ever remember having with you and i don't know if you remember this but it is it was our freshman year um and i didn't even know we were in the same major at that point um but our very first semester, so we're talking fall of 13, um, I was in uh, a, a poli-sci class, uh, American government, with with uh, Dr. Lem. Was it Lem? Dr. Lem, yep, yep. Yeah, and... and and I remember, I, I remember seeing you in that class, and I and it, it's weird how like everything was connecting because like I remember having that class with you, and then the next semester I had a speech class, uh, and who was in that class? But our mutual friend, kind of the the, the middle the middle ground between you and I, Brandon Heimball. Um, and then I remember we had a buttload of classes junior year. It was like post production journalism. Uh, eventually senior senior sam we had a we had a lot of classes um <laughs> we had some we had some good time so if we uh cycle back uh what was uh what was ryan vanderheide like growing up in the mean streets of uh, dover delaware oh man the mean streets of dover <laughs> you know man i was just a kid trying to find his way you know i think i was uh just trying to you know figure out what I wanted to do with my life. You know, I was just hanging out with friends, going to school, just not really sure what, uh, what my, my passion was. And then it's interesting. I, uh, I knew automatically when I went to the theater one day and I saw Inception by uh, Christopher Nolan and I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do with my life. And then here we are. Was, was Nolan that, that, uh, you, Inception was the movie, but I'm guessing Nolan too was also that, that first uh, director that really uh, opened your eyes? Yeah, absolutely. It helped me uh, just realize, you know, what I wanted to do with my life. Sure. Um, what, uh, I think, you know, when I when I first started going to Kutztown, I, I wasn't expecting that much um, out-of-state uh, students because at that time, you know, I was only familiar with, like, my area in Pennsylvania. Um, and and I wasn't I, I wasn't even putting you know two and two together like oh we're close to Philly so which means we're close to Jersey and Delaware and you had you know students from Jersey Delaware Maryland uh, New York that that came that came to Kutztown what what led you um, eventually to uh, to go to KU 
Yeah, it's an interesting question. I, I too, I was strange. I noticed how many, uh, even P, uh, we had a lot of international students, surprisingly enough, there uh, that I got to meet. So that was cool. But uh, for me, uh, coming to Kutztown was really just, I had visited a friend from my high school. One of my really, really good friends from high school went there and I visited her my senior year high school. And I was like, wow, I mean, I, I love it here. I love the scenery. I love the you know, just the feel and the atmosphere and everything. And I was just checked if they had a, a film major and sure enough, they had something close enough. So that's what made my decision. But yeah, it was, it was kind of cool. Yeah. I think, I think what makes, uh, what makes Kutztown such an interesting place is that, you know, I think for our, for our major, you know, it's, I don't think it's much of a hyperbole to say that Kutztown has one of the best film production electronic media i mean it's cinema television and media production now but um one of like that style of major i think it has one of the best programs in the entire state oh absolutely the thing that was was you know the best about that program was because it was so well-rounded i mean you got a little bit of everything it wasn't one lane wasn't two lane you got eight lanes in that major i mean we we learned about everything so it was cool because people really found their niche, you know. It was funny because everybody said we were out in the middle of nowhere, and it's and and we were, you know, we're six miles off of the interstate. But you know, you also look at the fact that we're, you know, Kutztown is essentially like the melting pot of that area because you're, you know, you're within a half hour of Allentown and Bethlehem. You're with you're within a half an hour of Reading. So it's like it's like that perfect common ground where you're getting. You know, it's uh, the Berks County people meeting like the Lehigh and Northampton County people. The skin, then you got, and then you got, you know, the Jersey. But we won't talk about those people from New Jersey. Uh, um, um, and and yeah, I think um, you were the you were the first person I think I met at Cutstown from uh, Delaware. And shout out, shout out to uh, to you. You you made you made a good impression on people from Delaware, bro. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I made a little bit of a good name for people from there. All right, so uh, so let's let's talk about this. You know, we we went through Kutztown. We 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 did that thing. We we graduated. I remember that really really muggy, rainy May afternoon, almost three years ago. I, I can, first of all, can can you get over that, bro? It's it's been it's been almost three years. Yeah, I can't even I can't even fathom that it's been three years, man. That is just ridiculous. Like I'm getting I'm getting videos pop up on like snapchat and and time hop of like of, of like my final semester i was i was driving 45 minutes from kutztown to easton when i was interning at lafayette and and you know that was i was like right now i'm thinking like this time three years ago and it was like you know sporting events at lafayette or hanging out with my roommates at my apartment like it was like that was three only three years ago but it seems it seems like it was just yesterday you know yeah it does man it does it's weird time time it's weirder as you get older you know what i mean absolutely um so so let's look to uh you know so that final semester everybody in our major was um was interning uh all over honestly that area a bunch of people down in philly um you went down an interesting route tell me a little bit about that yeah, so uh, my because I had this newfound love for screenwriting, I was kind of kind of searching for anything that was remotely close to something like that. So as you know, we have that like program with a bunch of uh, you know internships that we've done before through 
uh, Kutztown. So we have like reputable, uh, you know, relationships with these companies and stuff. So I found an interesting one. It was called Intrinsic Value Films and it was up in New York, New York. And what you did was you did script coverage, which I thought was so neat. Uh, I knew that it would help me become a better writer just reading all these scripts and writing coverage. So that's what I did. I, I did a remote uh, online uh, internship with uh, Mr. Joe Logano over there at IVF. Shout out to Joe. And uh, it was an awesome experience, man. I read probably over 50 scripts during the semester I was there and just did coverage and, you know, help them kind of weed out the uh, influx of screenplays that they were receiving. Did it, uh, did it open up the, uh, the creative juices for your own personal projects? It did. It absolutely did because I was able to kind of see, you know, what was working and what wasn't working for Hollywood and what they were kind of looking for or willing to uh, offer money for. So it was cool, man. It was absolutely cool. I got a lot of inspiration from there. So we, uh, we graduated and we all moved in our different directions and you took, um, I mean this, I mean this not in an insulting way, but a, a, a risky step. Cause, cause, cause I, I, and, and you, you made it, you made it successful and you're doing a lot of good things, but you, you made the move to Los Angeles. Um, and I, and I even remember, um, I even remember like, I think one day I saw you like post a story on Snapchat and you were driving through my home area and like where I'm at now in West Virginia. And, and I was like, yo, slide through for a little bit. <laughs> and you were like, I got another 36 hours to drive, but, but yeah. Um, what, uh, I think I, I already know the answer, but, uh, what, what inspired, uh, that move to out to, out to LA rather than, rather than, you know, um, staying, staying local, um, to, to an area you were familiar with you, you took a step that I think a lot of people, you know, myself included would, would kind of be scared to make. And you, you, you packed, you packed up your car and you drove cross country to LA. What, what, uh, what inspired that? Yeah, I was, I mean, I was scared too, man. I, I, you know, that's a huge step and I was kind of leaving, not just my hometown behind. I was leaving everything I knew, my friends, family, everybody. I mean, I knew nobody out here. So it was kind of like a, a big risk, but I remember vividly having this conversation with my dad and I asked him, I said, man, should I just do it? Should I just go? Because my, my dream for years was, you know, LA ever since uh, we came out here for an NBS convention and we visited and we had that whole experience here. And I was like, man, I love LA. Like I got to come back. This is, this is where I want to be. So I had a conversation with my dad and he told me, he said, what are you willing to sacrifice for it? And I knew the answer. It was, you know, absolutely anything so i packed all my stuff and just made the move and it's uh, been awesome man la's been an absolute dream what is the what is, has this has that time out in la been like since you moved there it's been a, a crazy ride it's been a crazy ride to just not only become you know financially independent and uh just mature so much over over just to about two years span i guess since I've been out here, but uh, growing so much as an artist and a creator because I'm just surrounded by other creative people and artists. I meet them every day and it's just very cool to see people from all walks of life. 
let's talk about what you're doing now. You know, I mentioned in the intro, uh, you, you're presently the uh, lead photographer and social media manager at Eat, Read, Love. Tell me, tell me a little bit about Eat, Read, Love. Yeah. So uh, when I got out here, I uh, it was funny. I just started delivering pizzas to just, you know, make my way until I could uh, find a stable job in, in my field, mm-hmm. uh, which God, man, out here in LA, it's just, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. So I, I did my applying. I, I did my time there at the pizza shop. And then I got this call about this interview for a company called Eat, Read, Love. And it was very interesting. I hadn't heard about the company before, but you know, out here in LA, the scene is, uh, there's a lot of startups. There's a lot of startup companies. So this was a holistic health and wellness company. So they specialized in things like incense, uh, I don't know, healing, like spirituality, stuff like that, yoga, stuff like that. So I was like, oh, it's cool. Just just uh, take the interview. I met the guys. They were great people. Um, really clicked. Next thing you know, I started working. And, uh, you know, here we are. Jeez, it's been a year and a half. Um, and it's been a, it's been a crazy ride, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, what kind of, uh, what kind of products they have you working on? So I do a lot of, uh, product photography, graphics, uh, website design, uh, manage the social media accounts, things like that. So just keeping everything uh, up to date and uh, interacting with our, uh, community. Well, uh, let me, let me ask you, this is something that just popped in my head. You know, I, I would, I would imagine that the most, um, you know, cycling it back to Kutztown, the most um, impactful and important class for you, I would imagine, was um, script writing. Um, but in terms of what you do uh, for for your full time job now, what 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 class from that time would you say was kind of most impactful on you? For what I do now, I definitely think that I took a, um, you know. It's interesting. I took a communications class when I was in there and it kind of was just like an overview of, I guess, everything media related, if that makes sense. Sure. And that kind of prepped me to understand sort of the way people interact with media and the way that uh, we can have a better reach to people using media as an outlet. So I think that was super, super helpful. Wow, that's, that's hey you uh, <laughs> the I'll, I'll scream it from the rooftops again. Uh, you know our major was amazing. A bunch of amazing majors at Kutztown University. I promise I'm not a paid shill from KU, um, but I'll gladly scream from the rooftops that they I think provided both of us with with one of the one of the best educations we ever could have asked for. I could yeah I can't I can't thank them enough, man. I had an absolute blast while I was there, and I learned so much and. I've applied so much of what I learned there to my real life, you know, and especially to, uh, you know, my dreams and aspirations because I don't, you know, shout out to you, we love, but I don't want to work there forever. You know what I mean? I got, uh, I got bigger dreams to follow. So absolutely. uh, I'm working on that every day. Um, going back to, to movies, uh, you mentioned that, uh, the first movie that kind of opened your eyes to, to dive head first into this into this world of 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 filmmaking and and screenwriting was um inception yes um what after you saw inception i imagine you know you immersed yourself amongst uh, you know amazing amazing film work uh from the from the time and the past what was 
what was that uh, direction that that initially you started? Was it more like Christopher Nolan stuff, like you know the the, the Dark Knight trilogy, or or was it was there another director that that uh, you looked at as a, for a uh, for as a source of inspiration? Sure. So once uh, you know I saw Inception, I, I had never seen. I had never been transported into a film before when while watching it. I, I felt like I was there. I felt like I was with the characters experiencing what they were going through. And it was, you know, this visceral experience that I had never had before. So I tried to go back and trace, you know, who as a director kind of had the same effect on the audience. And I actually landed myself on uh, one of my favorite directors, uh, late directors now is uh, Stanley Kubrick. So I went back to all of the Stanley Kubrick films, like The Eyes Wide Shut, the, uh, you know, the Full Metal Jackets, the Clockwork Orange. I mean, so many of these films uh, had such a visceral way of storytelling and, and bringing you sort of into what the uh, characters were experiencing. And that really helped me uh, kind of find my own voice. I had, to, I had to laugh there for a second because I uh, you mentioned full metal jacket and i'm not much of a movie i'm not much of a movie watcher and i still have yet to see that movie the full way through i just remember kind of being <laughs> maybe i'm maybe i'd be throwing this around but but the, the the term emotionally scarred comes to mind because because the i i think it would be roughly the halfway point or no, it, it was it was the end of the i guess quote unquote the first half of the movie when they're going through basic training the first act yeah yeah Right before they they shipped to Vietnam, yeah, with um, uh, Gomer Pyle. Oh my God! Um, um, and then uh, uh, Clockwork Orange, right? I I tried, I tried to watch that. It's on Netflix right now, and I one of those movies, man. What makes a film like a Clockwork Orange? Whether whether people, I think it's one of the. It's a polarizing film. I think it's fair to say. It is, yeah. What makes it? Uh, what what makes it polarizing? What in your eyes? What what makes it a great film? Uh, what what you know gives that legendary aura about about a movie like a Clockwork Orange? It's interesting. Uh, Stanley Kubrick had this, I just this knack for just getting under your skin. I mean, I know we've all seen The Shining with Jack Nicholson, and I mean, just the way that the filmmaking just kind of grabs you and slowly put it's it's a very very similar to a, a new director who I've come to love, uh, Ari Aster, who's got a lot of these uh, you know new horror that's coming out now, specifically through A twenty four, which is you know your uh, Midsummer, your uh, other movies like that, that just kind of, it just gets, it just, your skin crawls when you're watching, you know what I mean? And it, it's just the way that the director has, is able to kind of arrange everything in a manner as such to give you that feeling. So. Okay. Um, I want to, I want to do a, a brief, uh, a brief rapid fire thing here before we get into the music and we have a, we have a great album we're going to talk about. Um, um, I do want to just go over some legendary directors, get quick thoughts, favorite movie by them, et cetera, things like that. Okay, cool. Let's do it. Martin Scorsese. Oh, love him. Uh, very, very incredible uh, just storyteller overall. 
uh, favorite film, Shutter Island? Uh, Steven Spielberg. Ooh, this is just a classic. This is just a gimme. Uh, I gotta go with E.T., man. What what uh, what do you like about the, his his sort of director style and, and what he's done in his films? Steven Spielberg just it's almost like a. I know people might hate me for this, but I really attest him to kind of like a Michael Bay, just these grand, just grand films, these huge blockbusters. He's just the master. He's just figured it out. And, uh, you know, you can expect when you see that name that you're going to see something very, very incredible. Quentin Tarantino. Dude, Tarantino, the cult film master. Wow. Uh, I love Quentin. Uh, I love his recent film, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And uh, but I think my you know my all time favorite. I got to go back to Pulp Fiction. Oh, uh, classic, classic, just, classic. Yeah, just the way that he his his style is just unmatched by anybody else. I mean, he's got his own thing, and and nobody can touch him. Did you ever hear the uh, the rumor that he once tried to uh, get involved with uh, directing Star Trek? <laughs> no, I did not hear that. He there was there was a story out there that that he wanted to get involved like this these newer Star Trek movies that came out over the past ten years or so, um, and he wanted to to make a Star Trek film one of his. He always said, you know, like I'm going to make ten films and then bow out, and and he wanted to make like a Star Trek movie as one of his one of his like ten movies. Well, either let's hope that's just a rumor, or let's hope somebody talked him out of it. <laughs> um, Alfred Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock is sort of the first and you know latest uh, filmmaker that I could really connect with because of his just vision. Uh, I remember seeing Rear Window in a class. I, I don't know if you were in that class with me or not. I remember I had a class and we watched Rear Window and we studied it and analyzed it, and it was just so. Who's it? Who's in that movie? Oh man, I don't know. This is this is the this is the forties or something. Okay, I don't remember that far back, but God, it was an incredible film. Just the way that it, uh, you know, kept the pacing, which is right. something so important important in filmmaking. And, and Alfred Hitchcock was somebody who was uh, really really good at that. All right, I have two more for you. The first one is James Cameron. James Cameron, another one of those grand, you know, like a Steven Spielberg or a Michael Bay. I mean, you go all the way back to Titanic, just absolutely legendary. And uh, I, I, yeah, I just love his his vast grandeur. I mean, if, if you hear the name, you know you're going to get something crazy. I mean, I remember hearing the headlines when he made the most expensive movie, uh, Avatar, at its time. Yeah. I mean, we couldn't believe how on the budget on that. And, uh, and it was grand. And now they have a whole Avatar land in Disney World. So shout out to him. Okay, so the last one I'm going to ask you about is a personal favorite of mine and was a personal favorite of one of uh, one of our professors at Kutztown. Shout out shout out to Professor Michael Johnston. Uh, I don't know I don't know if you know where I'm going. Um, David Lynch. Yep, David Lynch. I was expecting that. Uh... cuz let me let me explain. So like, so like I I have yet to see any of his movies. I right, I've seen I've seen bits and pieces of his movies. Like I've seen, I've seen, well, obviously we, we watched Mulholland Drive in one of his classes, um, which I, which at the time I wasn't a big fan of. Um, I, at that time I was kind of like, oh, why, why is this, why isn't it like a central narrative? They're, they treated the movie like it was, uh, like it was like a TV show. Um, and I, over the past several months, I started seeing 
clips from um, Inland Empire, which which creeps me out. Um, um, it but, creeps everyone out. But well, I, I even just read the background on that. Like he shot that entire film on like a little Sony digital camcorder. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, but what what hooked me to David Lynch, just like I'm sure millions of people got hooked into David Lynch, was Twin Peaks. Man, I'm gonna tell you what, Twin Peaks. I don't care what anybody says. It is one of the best television shows to have ever existed, and um, I love it. I, I agree, man. Uh, you know, David Lynch is one of those ones that's it's super controversial uh, to talk about. You know, there's a lot of people who uh, would disagree with his uh, kind of his way, but I think that's what makes him unique. You know, that's why I like him. Uh, if you know, if you want to know about experimental or independent filmmaking, he's the guy. He's the go-to. And uh, I, I, honestly, I, you know, I enjoy Mulholland Drive, you know, as, as crazy as it sounds, uh, just because it's different. You know what I mean? It gives you something different. He's got his own way, his own taste, and uh, it's super unique and awesome. I think at the time that was the wrong introduction to me for, for David Lynch was, was Mulholland Drive because – Yeah, sure. This was, you know, it's obviously not the later part of his career. I mean, this, this film, that film has been out now for almost 20 years. Um, but I mean, this came 10 years after, after Twin Peaks became a cultural phenomenon, um, in the eighties, you know, you had Elephant Man, uh, which I've seen some shots from that and that movie creeps me out. Um, in the, even in the, even in the nineties, um, uh, Lost Highway, uh, I believe was one of his films. Um, the, the, uh, the Twin Peaks, uh, the prequel movie, Fire Walk With Me, which, seen seen clips of it again he he he's the type of guy that like he he proudly marches to the beat of his own drum like he yeah, absolutely I, I heard an interview with um kyle mclaughlin who played dale cooper in twin peaks and he said that um he said that you know like he was describing a scene from from the the newest season when it was back a couple of years ago and he explained the scene because Colbert, Stephen Colbert asked him, he was like, I'm on the, I'm on the David Lynch train. I just have no idea where it's going. And, 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 and Kyle McLaughlin was like, yeah, that's, that's the point. Like he doesn't care where you think, where you think you're going. Like he's going to take it in, in a bunch of different, a bunch of different directions. Absolutely, man. He's his own guy and he's got his own voice and he, you know, he's just pushing his own thing. So I, I can respect it. Okay. Um, Favorite, uh, if you have to give me a top five favorite films list, what do you got? Top five. Wow. That is, that's a good one. Uh, you know, I, I, I this is gonna sound crazy, but I'm gonna throw Parasite on number five. Okay. I'm gonna throw Parasite on number five. I don't know if you've seen it yet this past Best Picture winner. I, I saw it's on, uh, it's on Hulu. I got it. I got an email that, uh, that it's on Hulu right now and I'm, I'm gonna give it a check out while, uh, while I'm stuck indoors here over the next several weeks. <laughs> while we've got the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's definitely one I would absolutely check out. Um, and then I'm going to go to, and, and this one's actually nobody would expect I feel is, is Pearl Harbor at, at number four. Okay. Uh, I think because that film for me, when I saw it, um, just the overarching theme there and what kind of the characters, how they how they moved and developed towards the end uh, really captivated me. So, and then I, you know I got to go Interstellar. Oh, great, great, it's a great film, great film. Uh, I, I'm biased towards Christopher Nolan because you know he's my he's my favorite director and and I'm very 
very inspired by him. But uh, that movie just, again, it just pulls you in. I mean, you just, you're in a different, you're in a different atmosphere there. Uh, number two, Ex Machina, uh, Alex Garland. Okay. Uh, one of my favorite production studios, A24. Uh, that's the movie about uh, kind of like a cyborg, if you will, and how, you know, it has the potential to take over uh, humanity. Uh, that's a really, really great film. And then number one, as always, has been since I saw it, Inception, as we talked. Uh, I've seen that movie probably 20, close to 20 times now. And uh, the obsession has not lingered at all. Very cool. So we talked about movies long enough. I think uh, what we're going to do now is hop in to the music. And when I remember when I texted you about this and I, and I asked you for an album, um, I was... <laughs> I don't want to say I was surprised that you went down the artist route because I was actually really excited that you uh, that you picked uh, the artist we're going to talk about today. I was also really excited when you picked the album because it is it is an album that I had wanted to listen to for quite a while. I had it saved uh, on on like my Spotify saved albums list, and um, I had heard two cuts the two the two two of the bigger I think I would say the two biggest songs off of that album. Um, before before listening to the whole album tell tell the people uh what you what album you blessed me with and uh and uh why uh, why you selected it yeah so you it was it was funny you hit me up and you said uh you know i, I want to talk about an album that's had an impact on your life and i, I feel like I, there's been a lot of albums that have, I, i'm a you know i'm a big music guy i listen to music every day all day it's just part of who I am. And it's, it's part of what definitely inspires me as an artist. And so a lot came to mind, but the, the one that's most uh, sort of most prevalent there is uh, Logic's third studio album, Every, Everybody. Uh, because just it just kind of sort of pushed me to kind of figure out really where I wanted to go with my filmmaking. Uh, and kind of just almost made me like realize who I was and find my voice as an artist, which is really, really cool. And, and something I wasn't expecting. I was a long fan of Logic. Uh, you know, I loved his music. I went and saw him on tour a couple of times and uh, it was just another album, you know, it was just another album that I wanted to to listen to and enjoy. But when I hit play, I didn't hit stop until the end. And uh, I, I came out of the other side, a changed person. That's awesome. Well, we're going to we're going to hop into it. Uh, you know, we're going to go over track by track, skit by skit as well. There were a bunch of skits on this album. Um, and and uh, before before you hear us discuss what's going on, uh, let, let me let me provide you with a little bit of background information. Everybody is the third studio album released from Gaithersburg, Maryland rapper Sir Robert Bryson Hall II, a.k.a. Logic. The album was released on May 5th, 2017 from Visionary Music Group and Def Jam Records. Prior to everybody, Logic gained a following off the back of albums like his 2014 debut Under Pressure, the sophomore effort The Incredible True Story, and several successful mixtapes, including the Young Sinatra series and Bobby Tarantino, which was released between The Incredible True Story and Everybody. Everybody produced three singles. The title track, which was released on March 31st, 2017, and appeared on the soundtrack for Madden NFL 18. Black Spider-Man, featuring Damian Lamar Hudson, which was released on April 13th, 2017, and earned Logic a VMA award for Best Fight Against the System. 
and the acclaimed 1-800-273-8255 featuring Alicia Carr and Khalid. The single, whose title comes from the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, was released on April 28, 2017. It was nominated for Song of the Year and Best Music Video at the 60th Annual Grammy Awards, won him a BMI Pop Award, and even performed the song in an emotional Grammy performance in 2018. Since everybody, Logic has been one of the top rappers in the game. He released the sequel to Bobby Tarantino, the aptly titled Bobby Tarantino 2 in 2018, and three studio albums, 2018's Young Sinatra 4 and 2019's Confessions of a Dangerous Mind in Supermarket. The former featured the wildly successful song Homicide featuring Eminem, while the latter served as the soundtrack album to the novel of the same name written by Logic. According to a September 2019 article from NME, he revealed on an episode of the Tiny Meat Gang podcast that he is currently in the studio working on his sixth studio album, which he notes is to serve as a sequel to his 2014 debut, Under Pressure. All right, so the album kicks off in a big way uh, with the with the title track, or sorry, excuse me, with the opening track, Hallelujah. Um, and, okay, so I like the track. Um, when I was listening to it, music to me, like, I almost envision it like a musical, right? So, um, like, like, I'll listen to a record, um, you know, I'll give, I'll give an example like uh, To Pimp a Butterfly from Kendrick, right? Um, I will, you know, I'll listen to the album, I'll close my eyes, and when the first track, Wesley's Theory, starts, I'm taken to um, to Compton in the mid-90s of a young Kendrick Lamar fighting through the struggles of, of living of living in, in, in Compton and, and getting through getting through that area. And I liked I liked Hallelujah. Um, when I was listening to it, I thought that, wow, if this song was in a musical, it would be a fantastic opener. Um, because, because you immediately, you get these, uh, you get this gospel influence because, um, logic, logic, obviously he, he, uh, you know, screaming about, you know, praising God to the most high and, and, and really, really going in about that. Um, there was a, there was a part towards the end of the song where I personally thought, um, he was sounding a little. Uh, it, it, this isn't a knock. He was sounding a little bit like Post Malone um, when he was he was he was like doing a little bit of singing towards the end of the track. And what absolutely made the track to me was when we were introduced to God, aka Neil deGrasse Tyson, because he is amazing. Yeah, that was such a cool. Like, I can't believe he got Neil deGrasse Tyson on his album. That's just so cool. If you ever get the chance to check it out, side note um, uh, about with less than a year, probably a little over six months before everybody came out, um, Neil deGrasse Tyson was on the album of one of my favorite bands, um, Avenged Sevenfold. They did an album called The Stage, which is very much um, about, you know, uh, kind of the dawn of, of the world, but also about modern technology and things like that. And they do a long song at the end called Exist, which... It's literally supposed to be a musical representation of the Big Bang, and and um, it's it's a long track. It's about sixteen minutes, um, but the last four and a half minutes is this like fast heavy metal instrumental with Neil deGrasse Tyson giving one of the best monologues I've ever heard in my life. 
That's so awesome. I love Neil deGrasse Tyson, man. Great guy. So we'll move on. Uh, quick, quick sidetrack from there. So we'll get get back on track here for the second track. And this was one of the tracks that I I loved even before I listened to this album. It was on the I had the uh, I had Madden NFL eighteen, and this song was on was on that soundtrack. Um, uh, everybody, and I, I look at my notes, just all capital letters. Uh, what a bump! It is. Um, what's 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 cool about. Um, about concept albums, I can't remember the the interview I heard was, uh, I think it might have been with Justin Timberlake that that you know kind of the the art form it takes to make a song on a concept album not only um, you know for that for that idea on the album in this case um, you know everybody it's about being inclusive it's about you no know, not not caring if somebody is white black Hispanic gay straight bi whatever. Um, but just accepting everybody and logic on this track made it, made it, uh, you know, he made, he made this track that, yeah, in the con- in the context of the album, it works, but you can also like walk into a club and hear everybody and, and throw down. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Uh, like you said, these, these artists that find a way to, uh, sort of make this concept album that has this overarching theme within it and these stories that it tells, but at the same time also, you know, end up making a, a hit song. I mean, it's, it's, these people are some of the most talented people in the world. I didn't realize when I first heard this song, um, that, uh, that logic is biracial. So when I, when he has the line in there where he uses the N word, um, it, it, you know, for, first of all, like the, I, I love, um, the uh the like some of the lines in there where he's talking about about being black and being white but when he said it i was like i had to do a double take i was like wait a minute did he just did he just say that and and i was like reading about it and i was like oh okay yeah his dad's black okay this this makes sense now yeah because this album is uh one that uh you know logic has talked about it's the one that he had to make you know everything else was either leading up to or will you know be after this one but this is the one that he he had to make because it's his story you know he he's always felt that he wasn't uh accepted by his own you know community of people uh being someone who is both white and black uh, he doesn't uh you know get the respect from uh you know the people that he, he wants it from especially when you you go into something like rap which is heavily demographically african-american you know you 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 step in there and you look like a little white guy, you know, it's like, it, it, it tends to have that effect. So it, it, this was something for him to just kind of, uh, I guess, speak his mind. So we move on from there to the third track, Confess. Um, really enjoyed, you know, again, keeping it on the uh, the central theme of, uh, of race, you know, playing a big part in his life. Um, to that point, you know, um, I think kind of bouncing back to, to hallelujah hearing hearing rappers like on albums or, or even in in some cases the same song like they'll mention like how much they love god and 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 their how like how big of an important part religion plays in their life but in the same song might also brag about you know going to the going to the strip club and having like like strippers twerk on them while they while they make it rain like you know what i mean like like i always I always found that really weird. It's a pretty strong contrast, yeah. It's a pretty strong contrast. It's pretty funny, yeah. I and, loved and on uh, the song. 
yeah. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I, I was think I was getting ready to go the same way you were. This uh, this feature is one of my favorites on the album, Killer Mike. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Killer Mike. Uh, it wasn't so much a a rap verse. Uh, Run the Jewels is one of those one of those uh, groups that that I've heard a lot about, and uh, I think I definitely need to start getting into them. Um, and I've seen I've seen interviews with Killer Mike, and he is one of the most intelligent rappers in the game. Um, and his spoken word section here. Uh, you know, the deeper we got into it, and it was only about 90 seconds, but the deeper we got into it, the more intense it got. And right there was another example of, wow, I can imagine either a musical or even if it's not like on Broadway, like like a like a musical for a movie, you know? Um, yeah, just like that monologue. Right, 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 right. Um, so we move on next to these next two tracks, which are two of my favorite songs. Uh, actually, the next three tracks are three of my three of my favorite songs on the entire album, and we're gonna start uh, with "Killing Spree." Um, only thing that kind of knocked it off for me, uh, I thought it got repetitive at times. Uh, the hook, the hook did, um, but I loved I loved the beat on that song, and I was in, I was enjoying um, the analogies that Logic was making to our uh, uh, reliance on uh, on technology. Yeah, it's that's an interesting song because it's so uh, kind of explicit. Uh, it kind of just comes straight at you. There's no hold back, and it's uh, something that's pretty. It's a pretty sensitive topic, which of course he doesn't shy from on this album. But uh, another one of my favorite features, which I don't know if a lot of people know that Ansel Elgort makes music. He's a producer as well as a, as a, a, a critically acclaimed actor, and uh, those two have built a bond and a friendship. And this was the first time that they collaborated on a song. So it was kind of cool to hear his uh, overarching voice there on the, the track. Okay, so the uh, the next track we had was um, Take It Back. I loved the transition that we had um, from uh, from Killing Spree. Um, I, again, I thought the hook did get, get a little repetitive, although it did, the, I thought the song was painting um, a very good story. I, I was a big fan of the, um, the spoken words section in in the middle of the song and you know part of part of that section reminded me when he performed at the grammys two years ago i want to say when he performed the suicide prevention song and and he was you know he was he was giving a speech up there with all the survivors and right and and a lot of what he was saying in that in that monologue on "Take It Back," reminded me of um, of of that speech at the Grammys. Sure, yeah, absolutely, I, I agree. And and that song is just you know it's such a, a beautifully crafted song, so grand, so so. And that's a one that a lot of people flock to because uh, it was catchy. So we're gonna move on to America, and again, one of my favorite tracks on the album. Um, immediately, the beat the beat slaps. Um, I love it. And I, um, I didn't look much into the production at the time, and it's it's looking like, um, you know, this had this had a lot of heavy hitters, uh, guest doing guest verses, Black Thought from the Roots and Chuck D from Public Enemy. Um, you know, I heard I started to hear the beat, and I was like, wow, this is definitely Roots influenced. Did Questlove produce this beat? Because I I absolutely love love that beat. Um, I love Black Thoughts, uh, Black Thoughts verse in the song, and uh, just o- overall, um, there was a bit of a beat switch up I think towards the end, 
that was uh, that was that was an interesting take. But but overall, I, th- I thought it was uh, I thought it was one of the uh, better songs on the record. Yeah, this song was was really cool just because I know that uh, for me, I feel like you know Logic was probably paying homage to a lot of the people that you know paved the way for him. I know that No ID was the first person that he uh, met here in LA that kind of actually executive produced his first album and no idea is one of those legendary producers who's you know kind of worked with everybody so he's kind of the one that kind of paved the way so this is kind of his way of uh, paying homage to those before so we move on from the uh from the intense beat of America to a much more subdued R&B style beat with Inkblot uh which featured Juicy J um to me it was essentially uh like a like a like a spoken word song uh, kind of indifferent on it, you know. It was it was fine. Um, two and a half minutes, really, really quick. It was um, on a on a track on an album of very long songs. Uh, this was one of the uh, this was one of the shorter tracks. Yeah, I think this is the shortest track on the album. Other, if we're not counting uh, some of the skits, but yeah, yeah, this one is an interesting one. It's kind of like your almost halfway point, I would say, or so around there. And uh, I think it's just kind of like a fun. You know, you know, one of those collabs he did with uh, an, another heavy hitter. I mean, Juicy J, Three Six Mafia, one of one of the goats. Following Inkblot, uh, move on to most definitely. Um, I, I I had to laugh because, um, you know, I this was the first time listening to it for me, and I think people sometimes on Spotify when they when they listen to it, they might listen to. Um, sporadic tracks. So as I'm, I had Spotify connected through my PS4, and a bunch of the tracks had um, like lyrical explanations from Genius. And um, yeah, I started reading about, um, you know, he does a shout out on that on that song to Black Thought, and I was like, oh, we just heard Black Thought two tracks ago. This is weird, but also kind of cool. Um, and then um, the end of the song for me, like like I said. It, it, it's, it's unfortunate to me like the, the the album is is I think posing a really really good message um, but one of the things that, that that's noticeable to me is that a, a lot of these tracks are are really long um, you know it's a thir- 13 track it's over an, it's over an hour in length and I think um, a, to me at least a bunch of these tracks had some repetition on it that you know if you would have cut out that repetition you could have easily saved five to ten minutes. Sure, yeah, and, that's and, a good point to make. Yeah, so I, I thought it was—I thought it was again one of those one of those tracks. It was fine. Um, yeah, obviously my favorite my favorite part was uh, just him uh, shouting out Black Thought again. I thought that I thought that was cool. And uh, and um, yeah, what do you what, what what do you got on that? Uh, most definitely, uh, actually, for me is is one of my favorite uh, production. You know, as far as production goes, uh, okay. I love the beat. Yeah, every time it comes on. Uh, you know, I just, I, I get to move it, you know, I, I just feel that beat and I love it. And I know that, uh, you know, Logic works with uh, one of his best friends for a long time, Six, as his longtime producer. And they just sit together and they make beats. And I know that this one was one that they cultivated up together because, you know, I just recognize the sound. So it's just a cool sounding uh, sonically to me. We move on from uh, most definitely into the waiting room skit and... I thought this skit was hilarious. Um, yeah, this is a cool one. Yeah, um, you know, God being played by Neil deGrasse Tyson. The, I remember, I remember reading as part of those those genius things that um, the the central theme 
um, of the of the the narrative was based on um, it was based on a, on a short story if I remember reading correctly. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a short story, Egg, by Andy Weir. Right. Yes. Yeah. That's it. And and um, and you have um, the character Adam, who uh, at the beginning of the record he uh, he dies and he meets God and he's in he is in the the void, the white void, as as it was called. Um, and and this waiting room skit, it's about ninety five percent hilarity. Um, Neil deGrasse Tyson is uh, low key one of the funniest people I've ever seen do interviews or uh, or or in this case uh, a skit for uh, for a hip hop album. Um, definitely uh, definitely loved him uh, being the voice of God throughout this project. Yeah, this one was really cool and and because uh, it was one that I think a lot of people probably related to because it starts off I think it opens up with Adam going okay so we waiting for what. Because it's, you know, you're in this white void. What's next, man? What are, we, what are we here for? What are we doing? You know, what's going on? And then it kind of lays out the foundation uh, for, for what the whole album is about. So it's a really, that's a really cool track. So we move, um, like I said, 95% hilarity because the last, the last few seconds was adding the serious tone as we got into uh, one of the most, it's not one of the most, it is the most serious tracks on, uh, on the album. Um, it is the, um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline song, 1-800-273-8255. Um, and I mean, feels, uh, you know, part of me thinks it's, uh, unfair to critique this song based on the message it's sent. It's, it's sending a uh, very important message, but I'll just say, um, it was a blunt message, but it was a necessary blunt message because you normally don't hear in hip hop about mental health, suicide, depression, uh, in hip hop music and an artist like Logic who's bringing this, um, bringing kind of a taboo topic to the forefront um, is is something really, really admirable. Yeah, this this track obviously uh, was one of the ones that kind of, you know, blasted this album into the stratosphere, you know, you know blew up that year. And uh, he, he did that historic performance at the Grammys, uh, at the uh, VMAs and the Grammys, because he was nominated for a Grammy for it. Uh, it just touched a lot of people. Uh, I think it, it got, you know, the message across. It did what it, what it was intended to do. Uh, two wonderful um, uh, collabs there with uh, Alicia, Alessia Cara and Khalid, two uh, up-and-coming artists at the time. And uh, yeah, it just, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to critique it. Uh, you know, because it is, you know, such a deep and heavy song. But, uh, you know, every time that that piano line comes on, you, you know what you're in for. Uh, after uh, a taboo topic in suicide, they move right on to another uh, taboo topic, which was talking about uh, anxiety in the song Anxiety. And um, I just, you know, his logic spoken word section the last little bit where he was talking about being at the Star Wars premiere in line at a movie with his then wife and um, then he's hit with an anxiety attack. Um, truly going into detail about um, about what anxiety can do to a man. Yeah, this, this is one of those tracks that uh, I think a lot of people uh, come to respect 
from him because he kind of gave his own unfiltered uh, experience to kind of let the audience know like, Hey, you know, I might be logic, but you know, I struggle too. And uh, you know, allowing sort of the audience in to relate to him as, as not only a, a rapper, but as a person too. So uh, moving on from anxiety was uh, the penultimate track and one of the three singles for the record, which was black Spider-Man. Uh, featuring uh, Damian Lamar Hudson, uh, love the flow on this track. Logic is always gonna is always gonna bring uh, the speed and intensity to uh, to to his songs and, and and fitting fitting lyrics in there where they need to be and really really doing his thing. Um, and I think you know, reading reading the the the, the genius stuff about this and and you know from the title itself. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is in reference to um i think it was about it was right when they were getting ready to resurrect the spider-man franchise after the sam raimi spider-man movies and um one of the names that they suggested to play peter parker in what would eventually the role that would eventually go to andrew garfield um but one of the one of the names that they mentioned was donald glover and at the time this was you know this was before you know, at, at that time, Donald Glover, I think he, he was on Community. He was a writer for 30 Rock. Um, he um, had the comedy special, which, by the way, I don't know if you've ever seen that. Weirdo, one of my favorite specials yeah. <laughs> ever. Um, and he even and he even makes reference. He even makes reference to it in the in the special. Like he, he makes a he makes a joke about it where he was like he, he, he was he said something along the lines of like, uh, you know, half half the people said, um, yo, that would be cool, you know. Uh, if we if we had a black Spider-Man, I think it'd be cool if Donald Glover played Peter Parker. And the other half of people was like, "He's black, kill him!" Like it was it was, it, you know, he he made light of it, and I always thought that was that was a that was a funny joke because then he also said, you know, he was pretending to be somebody, and he's like, "Oh, so what? We're just gonna we're just gonna go ahead and make Spider-Man black? Well, well, why don't we just have Michael Sarah play Shaft?" <laughs> you know, so like he made light of it, and I remember laughing at that watching his special. Um, Logic took it and and turned it into into a very you know. Uh, serious thing and 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 yeah on the surface it's about you know could there be a black spider-man could there be a gay james bond i remember him making that reference in the song but it's really just about um the one of the central themes again you know loving everybody regardless of 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 what their background is don't don't hate somebody because they're gay don't hate somebody because they're black or hispanic just just you know so the, the 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 childhood concept that that we learned as kids, you know, treat treat others the way you'd want to be treated. Sure, yeah, and this is one of the, has one of my favorite uh, lines lyrics from the from the album itself. It's uh, I don't want to be black, I don't want to be white, I just want to be a man today, right? Because oh, yeah. you know, again, it brings it back to uh, you know his struggle with being somebody who's biracial and not accepted. You know, he's kind of saying at the end of the day, like I'm just a human being. You know, it's not uh, it's not the color of my skin or or the, you know, the background I have or the creed in my, you know, but it's just, you know, I'm just a guy. I'm just a man. The album uh, closes out with the 12 minute track Afrikarian because it's about two thirds song and one third skit. Um, I think the actual song itself is probably more along the lines of seven or eight minutes. Um, I've loved the instrumental on this song. Um, during during the bridge, uh, you know, I, I, I love uh, a little bit of smooth jazz in my hip hop beats, which is 
what you know what what gravitated me to to Kendrick and uh, and hearing that in this song, uh, I really really love and, and and to me when I was uh, when I was listening to the track, it almost reminded me of of something that I know a lot of rock bands did back um, uh, back in the seventies. I remember ACDC did this once where um, they recorded a live album in the studio. If that makes sense, like um, you know they didn't. They didn't go into the studio to record, you know, one of their classic albums. They literally went in. They had a small audience in a recording studio in New York City, and and recorded a live album there. And yeah, that's awesome. As the song was as the song was was going on, I kind of got that um, got that aspect. And and it's not not a, not a bad thing. Um, I just I, you know, the album started off with with uh with with the bombastic hallelujah and ended on on kind of that uh that similar style with uh with africarian yeah this was cool because it kind of wrapped up the whole the whole you know concept of the album you see the the story end you see where it, where it lands you see the theme kind of come back to the surface and, and present itself and you know we get a great you know monologue and uh conversation with Mr. Neil deGrasse Tyson, who uh, kind of wraps it all up for us. But you're, you're right. You know, I love that, that he brought it back to the uh, kind of that gospel, that uh, that like fame sound that, that people gravitate to. So that's a great way, to, I thought, to uh, kind of wrap up the album. Maybe you can answer this for me, but I, as the song was wrapping up, it it, it and it, they went into that ending skit after after Neil deGrasse Tyson's monologue. It then it, it had two... Uh, two guys that I think to that point hadn't been introduced in in the story. Was was that was that was 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 that was that, um, was that what was meant to happen? Yeah. So uh, what's really kind of you know something that uh, I have I've grown to love about Logic is that uh, he's such a storyteller in his music, and so all of his studio albums have a overarching story that connects through all of them. So this just is a continuation of a story that if, if I recommend you go back and listen to the second studio album, the incredible true story, because it follows these two characters as they're on a spaceship trying to find paradise. This, okay. this uh, it's a planet that they're supposed to be, you know, almost like heaven. It's like, you know, the best place you can go. So these guys are traveling there and then this skit towards the end kind of as a little continuation of that just to give his fans you know a little sprinkle of something yeah and then uh right right when you think the track is over all of a sudden you hear them uh starting up what sounds like a record player and then who should appear uncredited but only j cole um doing a doing a like a two minute uh um you know purposefully you know sounding like it was it was just a demo but um but but recording you know two minutes of uh of you know what j cole does man yeah doing what he does best yeah and this was because uh j cole was somebody that uh, logic looked up to so much uh j cole himself is by rachel so he he's somebody that he you know often turns to for advice in the industry and uh, somebody he's always wanted to collaborate with. So when he when he got him on this little demo track, uh, it was super exciting for him. So it's just a kind of cool uh, kind of end to the to the album. Right. So uh, overall, um, I would say uh, four four tracks re- that I really really enjoyed. 
Um, or I'm sorry, five tracks actually. Everybody, of course, it's a slap. Everybody knows it's a slap. Um, um, and then kind of that that three song section where you had Killing Spree, Take It Back, and America, um, especially the um, the uh, the beat in Killing Spree, the uh, and and the beat in America too. Love that song, and also uh, Anxiety um, with his uh, spoken word section during that song. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, I would say if there's to me if there's one one glaring uh, one glaring issue um, is is just is just the repetition. Like I said, there 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 were there were a handful of songs on here where he would it would be like the um, like the beginning of a song. And I'm trying to remember the song offhand. It might have been um, I think it was Africarian where he's uh, he one of the lines he says was about uh, a single white mom listening to uh, Inagata Devita. And, and, and he, he said that at the beginning of the song and I was like, oh, that's, that, that's cool. And he does his, his whole monologue and then goes into his first verse. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is dope. And, and then they, he literally, the, the, right after it, he repeated that entire 45 second thing. Yeah. And, and I, and, and I, and I understand using, you know, using part of it to, to repeat. I understand that that's part of music, but it was like could have done without using the entirety of that of that opening of those opening lyrics uh later on in the song and he did and he did that i remember in that song in particular he did it about three times i think yeah that that one became uh, a little overwhelming for me africarian is actually my my least favorite song on the album uh just for that for that exact reason uh you know i don't like the uh and i'm sure maybe he had a reason for it he's an artist i mean i'm sure there was a reason why he did that but uh yeah for me it just got a little bit too repetitive there at the end um, and it was one thing I forgot to write down in my notes too, but I loved the uh, the end of uh, Black Spider Man, where where it's this this really really serious song, and then Logic even comes out and says like, you know, I wanted to make this, I wanted to end it on a comedic note. So then it goes to, um, I think it's him and Six having like a conversation, and and he was just like, imagine imagine if Spider Man was black, and and they're just like they're like you know. They're just hanging out, doing whatever, and then I just I I love that as a nice little uh, comedic touch to the ending of that song. I I, I don't remember. Uh, I haven't listened to that exact part in a while, but doesn't he say uh, Black Seinfeld? And he goes Black Seinfeld. Yeah, and then he goes and he goes. No, that that that's Martin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a that's a funny little uh, you know sprinkle of comedic touch there. So that was Logic's Everybody. Check out that album. Um, I, I think it's definitely worth a listen. It has some really, really good songs. Go ahead and check it out. Um, I, uh, it's the, the second out, second project I've heard from Logic. The first one I, had, I heard was Bobby Tarantino 2, uh, which is a bop. I, I <laughs> yeah, that's, that's nothing but bangers on that. I know. I love it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, man. Um, before, we, uh, before we go ahead and get out of here, anything... Uh, Anything you uh, want to promote and plug? Yeah, so I uh, last last year I actually wrote and directed my first short film, uh, just like you, uh, which is actually inspired by this album. Uh, just kind of like has a theme about uh, just everybody being uh, at the core, just human beings. And uh, that that film's going to be coming out soon. It's kind of making its way through the festival circuit right now, which is obviously on hold, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it was it was going to premiere at uh, at the Chinese Theater uh, at, for the Beverly Hills Film Festival, and uh, it got pushed back. So 
uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be coming out soon. And then I'm starting production on my next film here in, in the coming weeks once we're allowed to go back to normal life. So, sure. sure. Yeah, just looking forward to that. Awesome, man. That's, that's awesome. Well, uh, great album. Check out everybody, as I mentioned. Uh, Ryan Vanderhigh, thanks for coming on to the uh, Bangerhead podcast, man. Really appreciate the time. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It's been a blast. Can't thank my man Ryan Vanderhigh enough. It was it was weird because uh, we recorded that interview on Easter Sunday, uh, and these current times, you know, I I was, I was thinking about it. And I think I might have might have tweeted it out that that this was one of the most non Easter like Easter's that I've ever experienced, um, and so it was it was uh, it was it was just it was just a weird time and. It was cool being able to talk to the guy because, like I said, it had been three years since we had spoken. I mean, we text, we would text every now and then just to just to say, you know, what's good and everything. But but that was the first time we had actually spoken in person, or in this case, via Zoom, since uh, since May of seventeen. So literally almost three years. So it was really really cool being able to talk to him. Can't thank him enough. So. Appreciate you guys tuning in to this week's edition of the Bang Your Head podcast. As always, um, I want to give a shout out to this week's independent music spotlight. And this week, it goes out to Joey Herman and Justin Rosado. Met these guys at Kutztown. Justin is an up-and-coming producer. Joey, um, a rapper, a singer, a songwriter. He released a mixtape back about, I believe, four years ago. I think it was 2016 at the time of... Yeah, 2016. Um, if you guys get the chance, check it out on SoundCloud. It's called All Green Lights. Always like to promote uh, their work. And we're going to spotlight an original song that they released about three years ago. Justin Rosado on production. Joey Herman doing the raps. It is Changes. So hope you guys enjoy this song. Thank you guys so much again for listening to the Bang Your Head podcast. And we'll catch you soon. Coming through right now. Not gonna stay for a long while. I'm good for some daps and some crystal. In the morning, gonna dip like I'm about to drown. Life is too damn fast. It's hard not living in the past. I was just up in the class. Now it's two years past. Gonna chop it up with the homies. Been a while, can't believe that you still know me. Snitch baloney, half of the people just turn phony. I'm here to fry you up like a cooked pierogi. My aunt died, now I slick it back like Cam. Never stuck to the script like Pam. Now I got a squad, call it fam. I'm just trying to be the man. My aunt died, I'm just trying to be the man. This changed. I'm not the person I once was. I've changed, I'm different on every level This changed, I'm not the person you once knew I've changed, I'm different on every level I'm only here for the moment But I know that it's gonna hurt you I'm only here for a second Whoa I'm only here for a moment but I know that it's gonna save you I'm only here for a second Whoa 
better or worse I don't know what it entails But I'm floating on about to put up the sails I've been depressed, I've been in love And I've been awful of life I was alone in the dark until someone turned on the lights all hours of the night obscene I'm coming back a changed man like I'm Oliver Queen I'm coming around and proving shit like I'm no longer a fiend No more women on the radar, just an eye on my queen Four years ago, I was naive Three years ago, I was drinking all the whiskey Two years ago, I was learning how to love you Last year, I wanted to kill myself all alone in my room And where I'm at now, I'ma make music Anxiety is through the damn roof Oh shit, I'ma use it, don't abuse it Make sure the damn fuse lit I'ma make some killer dope music this changed, I'm not the person I once was I've changed, I'm different on every level This changed, I'm not the person you once knew I've changed, I'm different on every level I'm only here for the moment But I know that it's gonna hurt you I'm only here for a second Whoa I'm only here for a moment, but I know that it's gonna save you. I'm only here for a second. Whoa. I'ma make art, not Grammy nominations like Skizzy and ASAP and Kanye and Jaden and MGMT and of course Silverstein and Aiko K. Dot Cuddy is the goat. Yeah, used to be a pushover, now I make decisions. 2020 vision, envision the division of indecision like I'm about to be breezing on some vapor. I'm the dark lord, just call me Darth Vader. And I know that things might never be the same. Got old friends coming up to me saying you changed. If you wanna shit talk, just keep on saying my name. I'm only here for the moment, but I know that it's gonna hurt you. I'm only here for a second. Whoa. I'm only here for a moment, but I know that it's gonna save you. I'm only here for a second. Whoa. I'm only here for the moment, but I know that it's gonna hurt you. I'm only here for a second. Whoa. I'm only here for a moment, but I know that it's gonna save you. I'm only here for a second. Whoa.